on Happy, Sad, Confused, John Boyega on Detroit, Star Wars, and fighting monsters in Pacific Rim Uprising. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to my podcast. Sammy's here with me as always. Hey, Sammy. At least some things are the same. Some things are the same. So, okay, first, I, we have to apologize. We, we took a week off. A lot, lots happened. A lot has happened. We were at Comic-Con. Yeah. We both survived. Barely. Barely. We're, we're not the same people. <laughs> Truly. Are you the same person? No. I'm a I'm shell really of a man. And I was already a shell of a man going into Comic-Con. Yeah, so now you're just like a thin layer. <laughs> <laughs> the exoskeleton. I'm barely here, guys. I'm hanging on by a thread. Um, but we had a blast at Comic Con. If you guys haven't checked out, um, like the 30 or so interviews we did over three days there, um, I think almost every single one is up on MTV's YouTube page, yes, right? They should be. Um, they should, if not, <laughs> heads will roll. Yeah. yeah, I think they all are. Um, and uh, they were a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I don't even know what the highlights were. The highlight was surviving. What was the, oh, the highlight for you was Salmon Cat, right? Outlander, yeah, Outlander. Yeah, guys. Yeah. They're amazing. They were fun. They were they're good. So, we were like their first interview that day, but Sam had already gone to the gym, as we confirmed. <laughs> yes. I was very curious if he had gone to the gym that morning. And they were just so lovely. They they're real lovely. people. They, Sammy was very nervous. It was I her was, first time being in a room with Sam. My hands were sweating, <laughs> like legitimately. Sam, if you're listening, she played it cool. I think you would agree. I she did. did a good job, but just know... You should really be careful around her because <laughs> when obsessed. he left the room, I did have to like exhale. <laughs> like I've been holding my breath for like the full twenty minutes, but oh my god! So that was fun. Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in that. So check that stuff out. Um, and and meanwhile, um, so so this week's episode we should say is John Boyega, and we should say also some kind of like housekeeping kind of general things about Happy Sick and Fuse. So yes, we took a week off partially because of Comic Con and partially because we are kind of in a, a little bit of a transitional period. The truth is that uh, MTV, uh, you know, we, as Happy Sad Confused listeners who have listened for, for a couple years now, three years now probably, we've been on, uh, on the air, um, the podcast kind of began before coming to the MTV Podcast Network. We brought it over to MTV when they launched their podcast network. They've made some changes over here. They decided not to pursue podcasts full-time here for a while. The good news is Happy Sad Confused will continue. Um, there are discussions underway with um, some other folks that are interested in hosting Happy Sad Confused. The White House. The White House, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Trump is very yeah. interested. I'm the new communications director, Big by the way. Big fan of the show. The mooch is out. Horowitz is in. No. So um, so fear not. Happy Sad Confused uh, will continue. Um, it just, and frankly, won't, I think, sound any different to you guys. It's just going to maybe have a, a new home uh, very soon. Um, and in the meantime, uh, we're going to try to continue publishing as regularly as possible. It might not be once a week. It might take uh, a little time to kind of get back on the regular, but again, fear not, we're okay. And the good news is we are back this week with uh, a guest that I've wanted to have on for a while, which is John Boyega. Um, he's got a, yeah, he's got a couple things oh happening for him. John's doing really well, yeah. Uh, John, of course, um, hit it big a couple years ago with Star Wars, but before that, and we talk about this, for those that haven't seen Attack the Block, you really should. It came out in, I think, 2011, um, and uh, was this like cool, crazy kind of like alien invasion movie in the hood <laughs> kind of a thing, like a weird kind of juxtaposition of like you don't usually see aliens like hitting like urban environments and like and the kind of characters you don't actually see in those kind of movies. And, and John, that was his big screen debut, and he really popped off, uh, popped on the big screen there. It took him a few years to kind of find the next big thing, but what a 
thing it was in playing Finn in Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, and since then, he has not wasted any time in, um, in just grabbing opportunities where he can. He just finished a run on stage in the West End. Um, he shot uh, the new Pacific Rim movie, which he's also a producer on. Wow. Isn't that impressive? John. I know. Crazy. Um, and the, most importantly for this podcast, he's starring in a new film, uh, a really powerful new film called Detroit, which is directed by uh, the amazing Catherine Bigelow, of course, Zero Dark Thirty and The Hurt Locker. And for those that don't know, this is uh, it's a super intense story. I feel like all the movies I've been seeing lately, by the way, have been intense. But between it, Dunkirk and Detroit, I saw Wind River last night, which is a, a great movie. You gotta with... go see Girls Trip or something. I know. I, I, I deserve a Girls Trip. <laughs> you deserve a Girls Trip. <laughs> but Detroit um, tells the story of what happened at the Algiers Hotel uh, nearly 50 years ago to this day uh, during the riots in Detroit, um, where three African-American young men were murdered in cold blood by uh, police officers. And it's a, it's a tragic story. It's, it's, it's hard to comprehend. And um, thanks to Catherine Bigelow's um, immersive kind of verite approach to the material, it really puts you in that situation. And it's uh, especially like the second act of, act of the film, kind of this like central 45 minutes or hour where kind of like all the shit goes down. It's... Um, it's it's pretty harrowing to watch, but it's 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 an important film. I, I had the opportunity to do uh, a Q and A with the entire cast. Yeah, you've been you've been doing a lot. You've been in this world a lot. I know. I need a break. Yeah. No, but it was actually it was one of the more. I don't know if they're going to put this online. I'll let you guys know uh, on the next episode if they ended up doing it. I did a screening at uh, Screen Actors Guild where uh, it was the whole cast and Catherine Bigelow. And it was frankly one of the more emotional kind of Q&As I've ever been a part of. Huge standing ovation and just like people on the verge of tears. It's, it's that kind of movie. So um, it's, not, it's not a light evening at the movies, but it's, it's really an important one. And it obviously has relevance to um, – the kind of incidents that keep popping up these days. So uh, we talk at length about that, and uh, but also just sort of a you know charting out his career. At the, I think he's just like twenty five years old, and he's got such a good head on his shoulders and a good spirit to him. And uh, it's uh, it's been good to get to know John over the last couple of years. And and thanks to Star Wars and these other opportunities, I know we'll be talking a lot. Did you tell him that Daisy's on the end of this podcast? Oh, I didn't mention it. God, this is why I need to be you on should. every you shoot should. with you. You, you forget. <laughs> All of the important things. He would have loved that. Oh, I think I mentioned Daisy's done the podcast, but I didn't mention oh, that specifically. Cool, Daisy's done a podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, let's get to the main event. Remember to check out Detroit. It's in theaters right now. Uh, I believe it's going wider this Friday. Um, so you have no excuse. Go check it out and uh, enjoy this conversation with John. And uh, keep sticking with us. Happy Second Confused. We're we're going strong, guys. Yeah, don't give up on don't us. Don't give up on us. Don't we're not giving up. up on you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and without any further ado, here's John. You like what I've done with this room? Yeah, it's, it's subtle. Oh, you yeah. did this. Yeah, it was it was all white and boring before I came in. And I brought <laughs> I brought this for you, John. Uh, I think we're off and running, right? We're good? Right. Excellent. Um, John, it's always good to see you, man. Good to see you. Good to see you. Um, you've had a busy couple of years, and uh, I, want, I want to get a sense, first of all, I mean, it's kind of an exciting time for you in that I feel like we're starting to see, obviously, the Star Wars stuff we've been seeing, mm-hmm. but we're starting to see, see what's come out of Star Wars and mm-hmm. the choices you made mm-hmm. in the wake of that insane opportunity. Oh, yeah. Uh, namely, Detroit, which is what we're here to talk about primarily. But I'm just mm-hmm. curious... Out of that opportunity, out of the Star Wars whirlwind, hmm. did you make kind of like a list of priorities? Like, okay, this is what I want to do now with this 
opportunity that's at my feet, or where, yeah, how I do mean, you approach things? Uh, I've always, uh, I'm, a, I'm a selfish audience member. <laughs> I like watching so many films from so many different genres, and I just, I just wanted to be in projects that I, I like to watch. Um, and I'm just trying to tick as many off as, off as possible and, and collaborate, obviously, with the best. In, and uh, Star Wars gave me that opportunity. Yeah. So when Detroit came along, I was just like, I'm not going to wait until this trilogy to, to, to be over before I start to go towards versatility. Um, and I feel like I have the skill set to do so. So Detroit served itself as, a, as another opportunity, but with, with much more purpose for me. Um, what kind of purpose? What are you talking about? Because it's it's about an, an issue that, that that obviously you know hits home to, to many of us all around the world, um, and at the same time it's 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 a chance to watch Catherine Bigler at work, and I just set up my own company and I, I just uh, you know have, have strings behind the scenes and uh, I'm getting my feet warm in in terms of just exploring other creative choices I can make and seeing her work and seeing that she has come to that stage in which she has that creative freedom. Obviously, I was inspired by her on a day-to-day -day basis, so yeah. Detroit was a great opportunity. She, she's someone that, I mean, for any film fan, they followed her from earlier in her, her career, whether it was films like Near Dark and Point Break. But Point then, Break, like, yeah. but certainly in the last couple films, she's hit this insane groove um, where she's, you know, dealing yeah. with the world that we're living in now mm -hmm. and, and putting her lens on it and, and putting audience members, like, creating such an immediacy uh, of, yeah. of, of, of these like fraught moments. I mean, it's the sustained tension when I think of her locker and Zero Dark Thirty, and yeah. especially so Detroit, frankly. Goes, yeah. um, like the second act of this film is, is insane. It's like it is. You're, you're, the audience member is there yeah. with you guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that something? I, I guess I, I, my question is sort of like, what is what is the Catherine Bigelow environment? What did you? What were you hoping to get out of the experience? And what did you, in fact, get out of the experience? Well, what you find if you if you've watched at least Zero Dark Thirty or The Hurt Locker, she she strips movies of that that kind of I don't know what how to articulate it, but like a, it's like a Hollywood rhythm. Bad things happen, good things happen. Peace, calm, middle, you know, beginning, middle, end. She strips all of that and just goes reality. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the issue. That's what makes it so, you know, sometimes you, you have to be emotionally engaged with a Catherine Bigelow movie at all times. You're, you're kind of, it's like a, it's, it's, it's strange. You're drawn towards that. So if you as an audience member feel like you have to emotionally work to just keep on top of the characters and the story, then as an actor on set, it's a, it's a whole different level of, of, of work ethic. But at the same time, it's enjoyable because, you know, I come from, 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 you know, the UK in which drama school craft is, is kind of like held as, as number one. You've got your craft set and you've got the opportunity, you've got the, you've got the chance to, to, to do something. And she just creates an environment that just makes you a better actor. Yeah. Um, I think she could make a uh, cat win an Oscar. I feel because um, I, I, I wait, 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 what's, that's the challenge for the next film. Her talking cat movie is uh, going to be amazing. Cat movie, Catherine Bigelow directing. <laughs> Not my idea. No, that it's... was my horrible idea. <laughs> Gonna pitch it to her later. I need your backup. No, man. no, no, no. I'll <laughs> voice one of the other characters. Yeah, I mean, we got we got something going on. Mate. So John and I were talking earlier. <laughs> To be honest, he thinks it's a horrible idea, Jesus. but I think he's going to come around. Re-edit of Detroit, <laughs> no John Boyega. <laughs> yeah, no, the only thing that Detroit was missing was a talking cat. Oh. No, so, I mean, it's funny, because I think, when I think of you and the experiences I've had talking to you, you have such, like, a, you know, a, a, a big personality. You obviously kind of, like, are enjoying this moment, and you kind of make making the most of it. And, like, mm. this 
this can't be, you know, and it's a job, right? You're not mm -hmm. there to have fun, but it mm -hmm. can't be necessarily a fun experience. I think of someone like Anthony Mackie too, who's also like, sim uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys like got along like gangbusters because he's oh, like yeah. similarly like the biggest personality I've ever I met. I see Mackie like a box of skills just <laughs> running around the world, just sharing his happiness and, and, and jokes. He's a, he's a great laugher and, and a good spirit. Yeah. Um, but but is, um, do you have to stifle that though on this? No, do you kind of but there's, there's Fun comes in different shades to me, but being working on this kind of level and this kind of intensity is fun to me. Because after you've done a take and you see, you know, Catherine's eyes light up and you're like, and you're like, no, do you, do you feel like you've got it? And she's like, yes. And that to me is That's the joy high, of it. Of yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's the joy of it. And especially knowing that, you know, these cameras represent millions of people all around the world who will eventually see this movie. We're secretly filming it, you know, in Boston, in, in a, in a, in a you know, building and no one's around and, you know, one day everyone's going to see it. So it requires a commitment. And that commitment is, is, is for me, it's is, is enjoyable. And um, her, pro her process just made this a great experience. Yeah. Yeah. One that I will never forget. I'm sure, sure. I'm sure that you also have to build like a camaraderie with that kind of cast when you're in mm. kind of these intense situations. Yeah. Especially after seeing we'll come up to each other, you know, that I'd, I'd always get a pat on my back saying, you're okay. Yeah. Right. And it felt good. So talk to me a little bit about you know, I was, I was telling you before when you came in, um, I recall talking to you the first time was in 2011, I think, for at San Diego and Comic-Con, mm -hmm. and Attack the Block was this amazing film where if people haven't seen it, they need to see it. Yeah. Uh, Joe Cornish, who, by the way, still hasn't directed another movie. What the hell's going on? I think on he's there? got something in now. That's what Edgar had said when I spoke to Joe, Joe, don't mess yeah. around, man. <laughs> so talk to me. Um, what, here's what I'm curious about. Um, coming off of that opportunity, which I think was your first feature, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and there's been a, you know, there was a gap between that and Star Wars. Yeah. Obviously. You were working, yeah. you were a working actor, mm -hmm. but like out of Attack the Block, out of Comic Con, were you like, I'm set, I'm good? Like, I, um, I, 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 I you know, I, I still didn't have stateside representation, which is very important in breaking this industry here, is to have uh, a team here that, that can, can lead you in terms of guiding roles and getting the opportunity. Um, I did a, a, a pilot for HBO called The Brick with mm -hmm. Spike Lee. Oh, that wow. didn't go to to season, so that was like that's gonna be a little, that was a bummer. Yeah. So 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 after that, I kind of left America alone, and I went back home and I started. I do. I'd, I'd done a few things back in um, the UK, and then I came back out to the states many times. I was back and forth, just auditioning, meetings, trying to make make something happen. And did I hear correctly? You were like on the short list up for Kingsman. That that one almost yeah, happened. Yeah. Yeah. That Kingsman almost happened. The Maze Runner almost happened, um, and they didn't. You know, that was a, that was a huge bummers at the time. Does it does so. it get easier, or does it each one of those sting and like? Because you know what? No, because I, I guess like so. I, Maze Runner was particularly hard because I I stayed in LA with no money because I had overstayed my accommodation, and then I'd kept they kept on bringing me back. So I, I, I stayed on, on my friend's couch and, I, and I'd lost my accommodation elsewhere on the, on the hope that obviously we were down to like the last two and right. you know, at the time the team was very keen that you know, it would go through and it didn't. So I was kind of like, ah, I gotta go back to London now of like, you know, yeah. chewing gum. <laughs> you could audition. And explain to my parents <laughs> what the hell you went to LA to do. Well, let's talk about your parents. I mean, growing up, because as far as I know, um, the business, as it, whatever we want to call it, it's not in your family. No, I mean, no, no, at all. Mm -hmm. like, anybody in your family have any had any aspirations to act, write, whatever? No one cares about that. 
<laughs> they still don't? They're still not into it? No. Really? No. That's probably it's, good for your head. I mean, maybe it, it's fine. <laughs> you know, like, it'd be nice it's if they cared fine. a little bit. Um, I mean, they care to the point of like, you know, what are you doing next? Okay, cool, great. They want you, you know, to be they, happy. Yeah, they want, as long as I'm working. Yeah. They, my dad enjoys watching projects. You know, my dad's a big fan. He's a big Boyega fan. <laughs> he even has T-shirts with my face on it he wears in the house. What is it? Just your face? That's yeah, it? Yes, if there's a Finn T-shirt with me shooting a blaster, it's got a long strip of blue. <laughs> my dad wears it sometimes. It's uh, with his pajama bottoms. It's uh, an interesting sight. I'm sure. Most parents don't have that. <laughs> no. But... <laughs> My, my parents yeah. have the same T-shirt. No, yeah, do they? On, yeah. He's really, he's really a big fan. <laughs> but, but it's, it's um, for me, it's, it's just, it's just, I don't know. It's a normality that they have, and, yeah. And I, and I like that they don't necessarily care to, to an uncomfortable point. They, they're cool with it. Well, so when did you start to uh, make your attentions known or kind of fall in love with with acting? Uh, very young age. I was in primary school, and I and I. Um, I had done. I did a performance in front of one of my teachers for like a school project, and I just felt at home. I mean, football wasn't for me. Um, sports wasn't for me. The only time I was glorious at sports is when I scored an own goal. You know, I scored uh, for for the enemy. And <laughs> right. I was just like, wait, no, no, no. I was on the other team anyway. I still it get was, credit for it. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I was on the other team anyway. That was what I was doing. <laughs> Horrible day. Everyone laughed. But when I was acting, I felt like. Uh, that this was this was me, and I was given the opportunity to go to Theatre Peckham to study, and from then I was just exposed to to all of it. What do you what do you think you were enjoying at first? Was it just a uh, an escape, a aptitude, like oh I'm actually good at this, so I'm going to pursue this? Uh, mm. The attention's nice. I mean a little bit of everything. I mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a little bit of everything. Um, I, I'm <laughs> I'm an actor as long as people get to see me. To be honest with you, like I like to act, but I I like to act with an audience. Right. So um, the audience play an important part of what we do. And, and that to me was the reactions, the, how engaging they, they, they were. It was, it was inspirational. I felt like this is where I feel, this is my niche. I feel, I feel like the king when I'm doing this. <laughs> and you and then when you stop, you're, you're back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> then, then you're back to thinking about yeah, the, because the, you, the soccer yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, then up. you're just like, oh, I can't play it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't act during recess. Right. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. So, well, you could, but then they're going to send yeah, you to a special class, that probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'd be that kid. Um, what were you into, pop culture-wise? Like, were you gr- did you grow up with, like, American films, English films? Yeah, all of them. All of them. We grew up with everything. I think that's what, um, that, that's what, that's what makes a, a lot of actors that come from overseas, there's an ability to morph into different people because we are just given a, an exposure to everywhere yeah and growing up obviously we were watching british tv but we were we were on the kind of same things that that everyone was on here in the in the in the states you know we were watching sister sister keenan and kel and cousin ski oh, those are the things we used to watch yeah um you know cartoons like recess and all that kind of stuff all the disney movies back in the day we all we all got all of that um but then at the same time we got our british shows and sure. we got shows from from france we got shows from australia you know, like Home and Away and all this Neighbours and all right. this crazy Every Hemsworth. Thing. Yeah, yeah. It was in yeah. your home. Yeah, Hems- Hemsworth was in my house. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to be Thor, but he was all the way up in the house. <laughs> we could see so that he, he lost like... his wife or something like that. Oh, he was going through guy. some stuff at yeah. the time. Yeah. But, um, you knew he was going to merge. He's nine feet tall and the most handsome man on the planet. Yeah, I, knew, okay. I was like, uh, he's, he's, he's sure, I'm sure he's going to do something. But <laughs> it, it, it just, we just had an exposure to so many things. What about movie-wise? What was the first kind of First memories of movies or movie stars that kind of really. Well, first, I was, I was born in '92. First movie I went to see was *A Bug's Life* by Pixar. Sure. 
That's the first movie I ever went to cinema to see. See, I was more of like a, I'm, I'm much older than you, so I, I went with Ants, which was the big competitor that year. Wow. And it had Woody Allen going for it. Yeah, what, that was the first movie you ever saw? It wasn't my, oh my God. Oh, I, was I, was like, I, was already, I was like 20 something by then. Oh, okay, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying that I remember that year, Pixar had a rival. Ants came out the same, same year as Bugs Life. It was a very bold move. Who won? Well, Bugs Life. Pixar always wins. No, yeah, don't course, bet yeah. against Disney, as you well know. I mean, I just said that just to hear. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> a bit mad. Yeah, I, that's the first time I went to to see it. Um, and it was a strange experience for me. It wasn't like inspirational. I, just, I was used to the theatre. I was used to seeing my audience. Yeah. The screen was different to me. So I'm warmed up to that later on. What about actors? Were they the first time that you kind of became obsessed with actors? I, I didn't know what actors, I didn't know what they did. Like, I just didn't really understand what they were there for. I mean, I understood they were part of the situation, but as a kid, I didn't know that it was like a job. They had agents and lawyers. I didn't know any of that. I just right. thought, yeah, these guys, this is a cool thing that they're doing, being involved in all of this. But I had no clarity as to how it worked. So you, you were saying, so you went, you went off to like an acting school then at yeah. some point. How old were you then? Um, I was, when I went to identity, I joined at 16. 16. Yeah. So by then, were you like, this is, this is my calling, I'm going to go all the way, and I think this is... Well, gonna... before that, I was in theatre school. I was in Theatre Peckham, but that was specific to theatre. Got it. And I was there from the age of 10 up until I was 16. Got it. And then I went to a, a more kind of um, set institution. That's, that, that institution, Identity Drama School, was, was that's for me... That's the craft. That's the real stuff. That's, that's, that's when you go in, you know, that's like medical school. <laughs> that's when you go in like, technical this is what stuff. I want to do. Right, right, right. You know, it's the, it's the intricate part of, 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 of learning how to be ready for the industry on, like a, on a serious note. And, and when did the audition process for like Attack the Block happen? Were you out of school by then, or was that? Oh, I was still, I was still there. I was still there, and I thought that was a great thing. I didn't go to the same kind of normal mainstream drama schools that most go to back in the UK. I went to a drama school that offered me opportunity. Because yeah, yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've heard this from other English actors where it's not even encouraged. You're, you're, like you're not supposed to take jobs while you're in they school. They can leave that number one. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, I was looking for a drama school that accepted that. So, um, like, wouldn't it hurt to actually get some experience while I'm here? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> you gotta be on set. You gotta be doing as much as possible. This is not, this is not, you know, studying. You're not studying to be a doctor. Which right. You should probably stay away and read those books. But right. with acting, there's, there's, you should. There's no substitute for the actual experience. Yeah, there's, there's, there's none whatsoever. And a set, they, they can't teach you how to be on set in drama school. They can't, they can't teach you that. You're dealing with so much different personalities and, and, and different ways of working. There's also a business element involved. Um, there's, there's, there's so many dynamics to acting that has nothing to do with acting. Um, like this. <laughs> they don't teach you this in yeah, drama school? No, they don't teach you it in drama school. But, it, but at this particular drama school I went to, it was, it was, it was clear to me that their intention was to have students who were, were also given the opportunity the to work yeah. at the practical level, yeah. straight up, as, as ready as you are yeah. as, an, as an actor, you, 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 could, you could work professionally. And I love that, that motivated me, because you know, we wouldn't book you know, the biggest roles, but you know, I, I grew up around a bunch of actors who we all know today and see, you know, like Letitia Wright, who's in Black Panther, and oh, very cool. Malachi Kirby, who's in Black Mirror. Yeah. I grew up around all those guys who were in the same class. And Amazing. So, we used to book like little gigs and little TV shows and be like, wow, like this is cool. And we could bring that experience back to the classroom, share with other students. 
It was perfect. So what did you, uh, it sounds like you learned a hell of a lot probably on the, on the set for Attack the Block. Mm-hmm. What, do you remember like kind of a rude awakening or certain things that kind of like blew your mind that you couldn't have experienced in drama school that um, is helpful to you to this day? For me, for me it was, was, was schedule um, and, and how to, to keep the intention of the character alive despite the time of the night. <laughs> right, right. Like go back to your trail for six hours and then yeah, we need you we like night to shoot. You were waiting. Yeah, yeah. So you'd be you'd be in your trailer for a good few hours and, and obviously I was like 16, 17 at the time. So instead of being in our trailers, you know, trying to get some shut eye or some rest or preparing for the next scene, me and the rest of the boys were just looking through our phones comparing girls. <laughs> I mean, it, was, it would always be me and friends, just like, no, 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 she's prettier than, no, no, she ain't prettier than your time. Yeah, yeah, she was all right. And we'd just, be, we'd just compare, compare, <laughs> compare girls. Just be looking at girls, young boys. Sure. And so that's what, that's what we did. You yeah. Know? And, and it, was, it was fun, but there was an element of, 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 okay, this is professional, like, this is real. And I was able to, to, to gain the best experience, and that, and that really helped me very far. Did you, I mean, no one runs a publicity gauntlet like when you're promoting a Star Wars film. Yeah, no. But, but you got a taste of that on Attack the Block, at mm-hmm. least going to Comic-Con and doing stuff like that. Attack the Block done so well. I got to go to Hall H and Comic-Con. That's not, yeah, I don't that's, think there's an indie that's done that in a long time. That's, that's a real big, big deal. Like, to and go I'm sure to it was H. received well. It's such a great film. Yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy. Yeah. So it's like... It was strange that I can say that Star Wars isn't the first thing that brought me to Comic Con. It was Attack the Block, and and, and and then there was screenings all over all over LA. And it was funny at the time, I was in LA already, and I wasn't really involved in the in the um, in the publicity. Right. I was staying at, at the Coral Sands Motel, off of Hollywood Boulevard, and then where so all the high rollers go. It's, it's no, the, it was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible, but. But I was staying there, you know, auditioning for stuff, and then suddenly Sony, Sony Screen Gems had, had bought Attack the Block and, and had chosen to distribute in the States. And then all of a sudden, I was, I was in the Ritz-Carlton. <laughs> you get a magical upgrade. Yeah, yeah. $100 a night on the room. I was like, wow. It's this upgrade. Thing called, this thing called yeah. Per Diem. That's amazing. Yeah, it was Per Diem. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> the film really just went from quiet to, ah, people love it. And then we got... You know, distribution in select cities. It was really cool. Like my dad gave me some some suits to wear during interviews because I didn't own any suits. But and it was it was dope. But did it was you, a different time. Did you like the publicity side? It seems like you enjoy this stuff. Like you get yeah. something out of it. It's uh, it's part of the it's part of the the business, and also it gives you a chance as an actor to kind of clarify a few things and right. let people know that this is not um, obviously this is it's fun to do. And looking from the outside in, could it's a benefit, of course. But at the same time, it takes some real work, and it's nice to. Yeah. Give credit openly, you know? Yeah. It's nice. So uh, we talked a little bit about sort of like the, the close calls in those intermittent years between Attack the Block um, and, and some of the, the work too and Star mm. Wars. But like, were you, were you confident? Did you have enough self-confidence and belief in yourself and just sort of whatever, uh, whatever you want to call it that you'd get to where you wanted to be? Were you worried that it wasn't going to, were you ever worried it wasn't going to work out? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I just tell myself, shut up. <laughs> got no choice. Um, I, I, committed I, your I, life to this. It's yeah, what I'm I'd, I'd, do. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather die trying. Um, but I mean, I had great experiences, even in terms of the opportunities that I didn't get. Um, you know, I, was, I, I, I with Matthew Vaughan, I, I, I was able to work closely with him during the audition process, and then, you know, with the Maze Runner, I think it was West Ball that directed, yep. and I, and I yep. got a chance to 
to work and, and, and all of that, despite the fact that I didn't get the role, served as a, a great opportunity. Mm. Um, I can't lie, the role I did get, you know, just finished all of that. <laughs> yeah, because you're like, in retrospect, I re I, yeah, I can't I mean, lie. Kingsman's you know. a good movie. Yeah, no, no, I'm no, good where I'm at. It's a good film. And, <laughs> and Tyrant, Tyrant is, Tyrant he's, is amazing. Great, he's great in that film. He's yeah. great in those movies and, they, and, and, and they're, they're amazing in the Maze Runner films. You guys would be uh, fun together. You actually, you guys uh, remind me of each other just in terms of like. Yeah. I feel like you both can kind of do anything and have that similar kind of big personality. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 it's, it's fun, and every time I see him, it's all it's all love. And, yeah. But 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 for me, I'm glad that you know he got that opportunity in a sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's not you can't have them all, and, and that was it was nice. Um, you just uh, I missed you at D23, but I saw you there. That must be surreal too to also like. Be there on behalf of Star Wars, and also Letitia was there probably. Yeah, yeah, Black, uh, Panther. Black Panther. Black Panther. came later. Okay, yeah. but um, it's got to be. I mean, you're you're in with a cool, pretty cool group. Not just Star Wars, but Disney. Um, have you? Who, by the way, owns everything? Yeah, they literally. Yeah, we, I, I'm saying that because I'm I have to because they, they own the rights. They to own the Bible? twelve percent of me. Now, probably. <laughs> Do they? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Have you had, have you had, talked to them about any parts in their comic book films? There was talk of Black Panther. Was that just a rumor? Yeah, that was back in a day when I didn't have any of the roles. So I didn't have Star Wars, and at the time I was like, oh, they probably might want to do a, a, a Black Panther movie down the line. I'd love to do it. Yeah. But after you get something like Star Wars, it's like, yeah, you got to have Black Panther. I'm good with my franchise, I'm good. Yeah, a bit, a bit too, spread the love, Jesus. But did you grow up with comic books? Was comic books a big thing? Yep, especially graphic novels. Um, I remember the first time I went to a, a store that I really loved was with Joe Cornish and Edgar Wright. They taught me, because they love comic books, yeah. so they kind of schooled me a little bit, took me to, to Forbidden Planet in, in London and showed me all the stuff, the action figures. Is, till today, they yeah. have um, influenced me. Nice. I'm still addicted. There's one here in New York. We've been to the Forbidden Planet here in New York. It's pretty good. The London one's probably better, to be honest. I've been to both, yeah. Hey, well, yeah. Carve out some, cancel some interviews. Yeah, I forget this is New York and there's a city of really great shopping. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you, you, never, have you worked here? Have you ever spent... I did. I spent, while well, I was filming that pilot, I spent a long time here, but I was more in, the, brick, in yeah. the Brooklyn area. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, um, you, London's still home, yes? Yeah, yeah, still home, yeah. I mean, I feel like I was, you know... I'm not the first to say it, but London and New York certainly. Yeah, cousins, you know, yeah. we feel like distant cousins, yeah. you know what I mean? But exactly. you guys obviously, you know, big cousins. One of goes and fight, you know, fights the battles for us and right, stuff. Right, right, right. But, but yeah, it's, it's, I've, I've enjoyed my time here, but I haven't had the time to, to, to shop. You need to shop and you need to yes, do... Yes, I need to shop just in New York. Come and on. You need, well, you need to do some theatre. You just did some theatre in the West End. I would love to see uh, Oscar Isaacs on, on stage as Hamlet. That's a tough ticket. Get me in there, man. Come on, let's go. Four hours, you yeah, ready? Yeah, I might just, I might just uh, audition to be his understudy. Just <laughs> read off the paper. Try and see something. That guy's pretty talented. He's all right. No, no, no. He's obviously insanely talented and good-looking. Very good-looking guy. Um, was that was it important? Because you just wrapped up a production mm -hmm. in London. Was yeah. again like coming full circle to what we were starting in the, in the beginning. Like, was it important to you to kind of like, because obviously you can make movies right now. You've got some cool opportunities. You mm -hmm. don't need to go to the stage and do something like that and carve out a yeah. bunch of months. Right. Um, why was it important to do that, for instance, at this stage in your career? You think? Because um, I'm I'm in this for longevity. Um, as long as my you know body is is, is able, I'm, I'm, I want to act like. For real, yeah. Um, and I just I don't know, like the experience that I've had so far. There's a, I don't know. There seems to be um, always a conversation about actors as people, you know, being as close to the characters that they play. Right. And I disagree with that. That's not the. There's no 
real art in that. You, you want to travel to a to a character that's so different from yourself, and that's the the brilliance of acting. That's what that's what makes makes us engaged. That's what kind of like we hail these actors as heroes because they're able to to just you know change their accents, the way in which they walk and talk. It's like you know Johnny De Johnny Depp's greatest roles. So, you know, there's like you know the stuff that Sidney Poitier was doing. It's just so different. Yeah, you're, you're you're Gary Oldman, Daniel Day Lewis, that school, as opposed to like just like a, it's a beautiful thing. I, th I think anybody can have access to to that. Yeah. You know, I think I think a lot more actors should do. I don't think it's the fact they're not talented. I just think that there's just a system now in which it's yeah. just, everyone just wants. You know, if you want to play an American, you have to be American. You play right. British, you have to be British, and it's like. No, it's acting. Well, it's also interesting, you know? especially like at your age, I feel like that a lot of people don't give those kind of opportunities to somebody your age. Like yeah, they, they, yeah. they don't necessarily, there isn't the desire for whatever reason to see you yeah. transform. They just want to see you, you know, be like the good looking leading man, whatever. Yeah. But what's great is, is that, that's what's great about the, the opportunity that JJ gave me in Star Wars is that Finn is, is not necessarily your average looking, you know, your, your average um, leading man. Sure. It's a quirk and a, and, and, a, and a tone to him, even that just makes him, you know, a different kind of leading man. Right. And that's what I'm about. I like I like exploring the, the the different intricate things about humanity that that may not be, you know, the main story or the main event. That's right. what that's what I'm about. So I've been given the opportunity to do so. So you you, men, you mentioned Finn. I can't believe we've spent this long without really diving into Star Wars a little bit. So let, let's talk a little bit. Just mm -hmm. like so that opportunity, and I, I still think of Force Awakens as kind of like a miracle that it, it turned out like as amazingly as it did. <laughs> like given just like the eyeballs. What was it a billion dollars it. in twelve days? Something crazy. How many people did it take to make a billion dollars in twelve days? <laughs> Jesus Christ! All you, just you, man. <laughs> Trust me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, and, and there, there were the stories, and I'm sure a lot of them were true, that like, you know, that was a fluid production. There was, the script, yeah. script was changing, characters were changing, mm -hmm. the, there were some major changes in production, and yeah. yet somehow J.J. pulled it all together. Yeah. I'm curious, like, when you started, was Finn a much different character? Like, how, how, what was the biggest difference from like day one to like the completion, or whenever you signed on to the completion of the film? My first approach was playing Finn as quite stern and serious and, you know, blatantly heroic because at the time, that's all the stuff I was going up for, you know, was the, you know, the stern, I'm gonna save the day type dude. And, and JJ's the one that kind of filtered that down. It's kind of like, no, 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 he's, he's not that. He's a, he's a stormtrooper. He hasn't been given the opportunity to relate to people on a normal level. He's slightly over the top. Right. You know, he, 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 uh, he has behavioral issues. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and that's something that I, I gauged during the audition process, that the scenes work better, especially in, in terms of contrast to, to Daisy, when, when Finn is, is, is played in, in that way that JJ painted out for me. Got it. Um, so it, it felt more, more natural, kind of establishing that connection, you know? Did, did the, the Finn-Poe relationship evolve? I mean, Poe was supposed to, as we know by now, yeah. was supposed to not even make it through the whole film. I don't know what that was about, but, but I knew from when we, I auditioned with Oscar, and at the time I had booked the part already as Finn and he was still trying to get to know. I just knew that they were going to have to extend it because he's just, it, it doesn't make no sense. Right. Um, he's just really good. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy because, you know, Finn is also the middleman as well. He gets a chance to have these several different relationships. Um, Finn and Han, Finn and yeah. you know, Ray, Finn and Poe, Finn and BB-8, Finn and Chewie. There's all these different dynamics and I thought that um, that, that, that friendship that we built, that kind of brotherhood that we built in the movies, or just, it, it was really, really cool. And I know that fans want to see more of it. As exactly. Well. I mean, in, 
different ways, some pets. <laughs> <laughs> they've got a good imagination. Yeah, they, 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 got, they got vision. They got vision, <laughs> I mean. I got in trouble when I spoke to you at a, a celebration for calling it a bromance. People were like, don't call it a bromance, man. It's just, I don't know what they want me to call it. It's not a bromance. What do you want to call it? What should we call it? I, I call it a bromance, bro. Call it <laughs> okay, thank you. I've got your I've got your let people hold, it back, hold you back. As you know, well, I was going to say, I've, I've spoken to Daisy about this, too, about the social media thing. As you mm. know, she, like, left Instagram. Yeah, and, she did, yeah. And, I mean, you know, it's... it's, it's well, she, she, she left Instagram when we were filming. I left as well. Right. We both left. And I know she, I was like, yeah, I'm going to probably jump off it as well. It was a good time to just kind of detach from all of that. Yeah, I mean, and she, and I'm sure you've experienced that. We, anybody that's moderately in the public eye experiences a lot of uh, crazy stuff out there. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What's the coping mechanism? Is there one to kind of keep your, your brain in check, your sanity from all the noise that's out there? Um, uh, not really, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm a London boy. I'm a, you, you can know, take it. You're fine. I mean, people can, people can say what they want, but the reason why they're talking about you is because you're in that position, not them. Right. And that's the role that they choose to play in this circle of life. Like, you know, even if the people that type and write negative comments or send negative tweets, if they were famous, if they were in that position, they would get a fair amount of negativity too. It's just the way things work. And it's just, for me, it just, it's not necessarily um, deep. Right. You know, so emotionally I am able to kind of maneuver those things. And sometimes I have fun with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you poke back if someone... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I clap back from time to time. I have, no, <laughs> I have no shame when it comes to that because don't, don't be telling me celebrities. There are some comments that you do see on your social media and you have to give them a little... You, know, you can't just be messing with me anyhow. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the amazing uh, friendships that you cultivated on that set. Uh, you and Harrison had a fun time together. Mm -hmm. At least you did. I don't know if Harrison had a fun time. He had an amazing time. <laughs> has, how many times he had a straight face, but I knew in the spirit he felt great. How many times has he changed his number on you since the production ended? Oh, he hasn't, because my career has actually been doing well, so he has to keep my number now. He needs you now. He might need me. <laughs> he, might need me for a, he might need me for some form of a spin-off. <laughs> Would you fly with him at this point? No. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. That's, what, that's why I don't send him emails regularly, because I don't want him to say, hey, let's take a flight on the plane. Like, yeah, no. Yeah, I'm just going to yeah, take no, a train no. on this one. Yeah, bro, I am not going on a plane with Harrison Ford, no. especially even if he's in that pilot seat, and he knows I've said that many, many he's times in his, his presence. Luck. Come on, man. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I think he's really cool, but he can be cool by himself in that plane. Exactly. No. <laughs> No. All right, let's, let's dance around a little bit of Last Jedi, which I know you can't talk about, but just out of curiosity, I know Mark Hamill talked about how like, that script kind of like, surprised him in many ways yeah, and, yeah. And, and where that character went. Um, did it surprise you? Like, what, what, did, well, here's my first question. Do you read the whole script at first or in, in kind of chunks? Like how, how do they deliver to the principal performers like you? Are you able to read it all at once? Or? Well, I was kind of shocked that nothing had changed. I was still in the room of you know, reading the full script you know, at Pinewood Studios. I didn't get to take it home. You're like, come on, now I'm a, I'm like, come I'm on, in. guys. Like, like, seriously, when do we get, um, when do we get into the club? <laughs> Maybe nine. But this time it was the same process. We called into the studio, we read it in the room. I read the whole script, knowing that you don't get a chance to, to take it home. So are you um, writing notes for yourself on the side, or are you just kind of like, what do you do? I had to, yeah, I think, yeah. But I think with eight specifically, because of there's more dialogue, especially for Finn, it, I had to I had to learn on the go in certain scenes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but next time I wouldn't take those notes. <laughs> <laughs> shh, shh, 
<laughs> What's that noise in the room? What's nothing? Nothing. Nothing? It's fine. It's fine, Colin. It's fine. We, we, we've joked uh, or not joked about um, Finn and Poe. How are, how are Finn and Phasma doing? Because they have a history too. I mean, yeah, it's not great. I can't believe she's back. <laughs> I read that script like, where the hell did she come from? Um, Can't keep Gwendolyn down. Yeah, she's like Team Rocket from Pokemon. They just <laughs> blast off. And they come back the next, next episode for some reason. But I think it's cool. I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a, some conversations between them to be had. And the last time they saw each other, Finn wanted her, made sure that she was in a, yeah. in a bin shoot. So um, I'm not sure how she feels about that. When do you get to see the movie? And do you get a plus one? I don't know. I have no idea. I'm telling you, like, we are... So in your shoes at this point. At this point, process, we're on, like, on an even process. You know, know that much more than me. <laughs> I mean, that's, and that's what's so different about working on other projects, whereas you are involved in this. It's just like, which is cool. You get to be part of the audience. Yeah. You get to be surprised by, by trailers. We're surprised them as much as you. We don't get to see anything. So, Is there know. something you've communicated to Kathy Kennedy or Colin that you need to see Finn do before episode nine? Is over. Um, I haven't communicated. We, uh, um, Colin came to see my play, and we met oh, nice. briefly at the stage door. And I, I, I was so like, the play is intense. I didn't get that time to, to sit down and chat. Uh, but, but for me, I, I would love to. I think we, as all fans, we want to just know where everybody fits in now. You know, like we right. just want to know, okay, who's the who's the Jedi? Who's the we know? Raise the Jedi. Who's the the gunslinger? Just we just want you know specific right of, you want the answers yeah we just want all the answers who, who, who are the parents second names everything <laughs> um, you know we'll, we'll see we'll see what they're, they're planning to do and they know what they're doing over there though. what do you think as a fan should happen after episode 9 like it, was, it sounds like they're still figuring it out like whether like they continue with saga films or if they just go on after on the, 9 I, I mean it depends what they do but I, I think um, I think yeah continue the saga films why not continue yeah. them but obviously a few years between yeah. Between nine and, and, and ten, but you should, if they were going to, that would be really cool. It was worth it. Uh, speaking of big movies, I just spent time with your dad, Idris Elba. The other <laughs> yes, Idris. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta do an Idris, come on. <laughs> my, my Idris is Josh, Josh. <laughs> sound like Churchill, man. I sound like no Idris, bro. <laughs> uh, Idris, he's, he's the man, as you yeah, know. He's great, so man. cool. Uh, yeah. The coolest man on the planet. And he, mm. um, you're playing, I mean, your character is his son, yes, mm -hmm. in Pacific Rim. Yeah. Uh, Uprising, is that what, do I have that yeah, right? Uprising, yeah, Uprising, yeah. So not only are you in this, you're producing mm -hmm. Pacific Rim. Yeah. That's your first film as a producer. Yeah, first one, first one. I mean, I've done a few short films back in the day, but... Uh, That's a big jump, though. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say is, like... I mean, talk about ambition. Like, yeah. you know, that's a big leap as a producer to yeah. just, like, uh, give me a sense of just sort of why, how that came about and why that was something you wanted to kind of put all your muscle behind. Well, I just, I used the money I earned on Seven to just set up a, a company and hire a few people to, to join me on this venture because I just realized that creative control is something that I, I want. Yeah. Um, I want the, the ability to be able to cast myself in, in the movies that I want to be a part of. And also, I feel like being an actor and a producer helps you understand, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a two separate worlds there. And, and, and for some reason, there's a, there's a balance in which I, I, I felt that needed to be met. And someone like me who has that kind of duo yeah. personality, I, I just wanted to, to, to be behind the scenes as, as well as in, in, in front of the camera and... We were just looking for, we, we read many projects all the time, and, and we were just looking for something to just kickstart that experience in a, in a crazy way. And it just so happened that I was like, 
you know what, guys? I'm not close to another franchise. And so it's like, well, this is a great way to also combine your, your aspirations as a sure. producer. And, and, and Legendary came about. I have a great relationship with Kel Boyta and Mary Parent. And we, we, we all kind of sat down and decided that we were going to do this. And my company was just like, yeah, let's do it. It's a, it as you know, it's a tough act to follow someone like Guillermo's vision on the first one. And that's a beautiful epic, vision. Yeah. Epic. And one that we don't ignore. You know, yeah. We well, I was going to say, can you tease a little bit in terms of like time that's passed? Like what the what tease? I'll read you the script. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I assume we're going to start to see some footage pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. I saw definitely. like a little viral video thing that you recorded oh, recently. Good. We're working. We're, we're working on that, but we speak, but we still have some special effects stuff to do. So what's what's the world? What's the character? What, what's what's uh? So I, I play Jake Pentecost, yeah. who's been you know away during Pacific Rim One. He's kind of like the prodigal son who never came back. And he's now given a, a chance and opportunity to join the PPDC and, and, and earn his, his right to be there. But it's not all as it seems. We have, uh, obviously, the, the breach was, was closed in Pacific Rim, but um, there are other ways of doing things. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For these kaiju, they are very, very intelligent and they're coming back hard. So what, what do we do? Upgrades. <laughs> Upgrades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dramatic pause. Upgrades. <laughs> Some of which came from here. So don't worry, nerds. <laughs> Everything you wanted, I made sure to, to inject into this. It's really cool. Some really cool stuff going down. Uh, have you been boning up on any new impressions as you about to embark on your Star Wars uh, oh, yeah, press for the next few months? You better get something ready, man. I haven't, because you know... You're gonna, they're going to ask for I'm Yoda now, and Chewbacca. They're going to ask yeah, for all... I'm, I'm in more critical acclaimed projects. This <laughs> Detroit, I... No one's asking for, no one's asking for a Captain no Bigelow impression. No, 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 no one's asking for that. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 but, but maybe, maybe now I should, I should yeah. start. I'm just planting that in your head. Just... Yeah, that's right. Man. When I next we meet. the Star Wars fans, a whole list of new characters. Has to happen. Yeah, gotta go deep. I mean, all, go deep. all I'm saying is, I did a video <laughs> once with uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I think it was oh, 11, yeah. 11 impressions in a minute. I think you can beat it. He said 11 impressions, I can beat that. All right, when next we meet. When next we meet. Right, <laughs> Congratulations on the film, Thank honestly. You so much, man. Uh, I really appreciate uh, it. Thank you. You know, any opportunity to work with someone like Catherine, I, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's a special one. I mean, she's, she's top of my list, and I'm sure top of yours. And, yes. And you really made the most of it, man. Thank you, sir. Good all to right, see you as always. Good to see you, man. Thanks, buddy. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>